This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hi, and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Mark, and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is, and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guests to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. Their only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AO is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So, what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you don't have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you are at the beginning of a long road that usually ends of one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is one is, too, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety, one day at a time. This program has proven has a proven track record of helping otherwise helpless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who has joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. 
We're just about to interview a member of who is going to share their experience with us of alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Would I guess like to introduce, introduce themselves and give us a quick sketch of who you are, age and maybe how long you've been sober? Hi, I'm Georgia and I'm an alcoholic. Um, I'm uh, 40 and I've been sober nearly over nine years. Oh, well, congrats. And what's your occupation? Um, I'm a healthcare recruiter. Cool. And would you like to tell us about your family and where you're from and where you grew up? So um, I grew up in Christchurch and um, I have got an older brother and an older sister and a little sister. And um, we grew up in the centre of Christchurch. Cool. And what was your childhood like? I had a great childhood. Um, I... um, came from a really I've come from a really loving home um, I've got um, I've had two really loving parents um, very close with all of my siblings um, I was I guess I was described as the na- the the naughty one um, mum said that I was um, perfect until I was about two and um, uh, then something happened, and I think that I just became a bit wild. Okay, so from there, would you like to tell us, um, in terms of drinking, we, when you started drinking and how it progressed? Um, I, I recall um, I started drinking around 13 years of age, and I actually remember the, the day um, I... I was the one that looked the oldest out of my um, friends. So um, I stole some ID from one of my brother's friends and um, and I dressed up in some of my um, sister's clothes and I actually went in and um, got served in some passion pop and that was my first experience to alcohol and I drank it, vomited, and passed out, and that was my first experience to alcohol. And so did you like drink socially or alone or binge drink? Was there a pattern that became familiar? Oh, in my early days, I would just drink at parties. Like, I'd never drink at home um, alone. Um, I would have a shandy with my pop um, because that's just what we did. But I never, um, when I was a child, I'd never, I'd, I'd just go to dr- um, parties and I'd drink. Um, and then I guess in my um, late 20s, um, I was still quite actively socially drinking. Um, I guess in my 30s, um, that's when it really kicked in. Um, I got sober when I was 31. And um, the last three years of my drinking were the worst. That's when I um, started to drink alone and every night. And, um, yeah. Do you want to tell us about when you felt it became a problem and if or when you tried to stop? Um, I th- it was all, my drinking was always an issue. But the last three years of my drinking, that's when it really um, uh, progressed into an issue 
um, I would, um, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd be really hungover and I'd wake up and I'd feel very guilty, shamed and remorseful about my behaviour the following night. And I'd go through my day and go, oh God, I'm not going to drink today, I'm not going to drink today, I'm not going to drink today. And then what would happen is that five o'clock would turn around and the justification would set in. And it would, and I lived in Melbourne and I lived quite close to bottle shops and I would just go, oh God, you haven't got an issue. Go and, um, go and buy a bottle, but you, but I only have one, I only have one tonight, Georgia. And um, I'd have one and next thing I'd have the bottle and end up passing out. I stopped eating because alcohol um, curved the craving of the hunger and, um, you know, I'd either, um, I'd, I'd call random people, I would send random emails and just do, like, not socially acceptable things. So that's when it became an issue, and I think what happened, especially in the last three years of my drinking, was this impending loneliness set in. And, um, you know, my family didn't know how to manage me anymore, and um, I was an absolute liability when I was going out with friends. So what I what it did is it made me, uh, it, I just sat at home and drank alone. Did you lose any employment or relationships? Like were there consequences that came from that? Oh yeah, the massive, massive consequences. Um, I used to get into, I used to go to work really hungover and um, and just be very foggy um, in the day, and I just never could um, meet the tasks. I was all over. I was, I was just all over the place because I was so hungover, and um, you know I've lost a lot of um, great relationships, um, and yeah, just good, just good relationships um, with, especially with the, my my girlfriends, and um, like people that I grew up with that I could have had good relationships but alcohol just took that away from me because I chose alcohol over my nourishing my relationships. So how did you find your way to your first AA meeting and what was that like? Mm. Well my older sister actually took me to um, a meeting in Melbourne because we both lived in Melbourne together at the time. And um, I walked in the doors and I saw someone talking on the microphone and I just went, oh God, I, I just can't, I, I just can't deal with that because I wasn't ready and I got asked to go up and speak up on a microphone and I, I, and I didn't know, and I didn't know what to say. Um, I, I, these alcoholics were coming up and they were talking to me and I just got so bewildered and um, overwhelmed because I wasn't ready. Um, and then I just walked out and I actually left my older sister in the room and I walked out. But the gift that she gave me that night is that she planted the seed of AA because from that eight years of drinking, I essentially was drinking on knowledge. Like I knew that there was a solution out there 
And I knew that AA from that moment, even though I only stood there for 10 minutes and then I walked out, but she gave me the greatest gift that night, but it took me eight years to get back into the rooms. Okay. Do you want to um, tell us about how you've managed to stay sober, like in your process of recovery? Well, I was very fortunate when um, I got sober in Melbourne and um, and I was very fortunate that on my first meeting um, I, I met my sponsor and um, she had 11 years up of sobriety at the time and I just looked over at her and I thought that she was one of the most extraordinary f- females that I had ever come across. She was calm in the way that she could articulate um, her recovery and how she could speak to me. Suddenly, I I was, I, I was just amazed that for the one of the first times in my life that I could actually hear someone speak, um, that because I was so shut off and I couldn't hear anybody. Like people would talk to me about my drinking, and I would just get I'd get really defensive. And um, so I, I saw this woman, and she had, and she was so well, well, lovely groomed. She spoke so well. She swore a couple times, and I could identify with the swearing through who she is. And um, and yeah, and she took me out, and she agreed to sponsor me. And I think that I've. When I did my twelve steps, I we we did them slowly, and um and really thoroughly, and I'm so grateful because she's invested a lot of time in me, and um. She took me through my um, my fourth and fifth step, and that's when I think I had, like one of the most remarkable changes of of my recovery because I felt so guilty and shame and ashamed about my behavior and then suddenly I just had this opportunity to sit down with someone and just tell tell them how I felt because I'd been carrying around so much for so long and um and then yeah and I you know I'm very grateful that I've been taken um through the steps um thoroughly and well mm. um how do you how do you cope with difficulties um remaining sober oh, i've had um uh, you know i've had i've been faced with some major challenges in my recovery um you know i've been married i've been divorced um i've one of my best friends died so i've I've um I've faced with a lot of challenges, but what I'm so grateful for is that I know that alcohol is not the solution. And I got taught when I was very early on in the fellowship to pour alcohol over an issue is not going to resolve it. So what I've had to do is I think I've I, I've had to be really thoroughly honest with how I feel. Um, I've had to work the steps in my life, but hand my but hand my will and my life over to a power greater than myself, and that is my higher power. 
that I choose to call God today. And, um, you know, and I've been, when I've gone through um, hard times in my life, I've been very grateful that I've been wrapped up in the fellowship, that I've had other women that have come to come to me and I've got great relationships with women in the fellowship that have got amazing recovery and they've been through life too and now I understand that you know getting more recovery that you know difficult times happen to to people and I'm just really grateful that um, I can lean and lean on Alcoholics Anonymous to get me through those hard times and that I've got a program that I can go and work on and um, you know or I can talk to someone in the fellowship that has been exactly where I've been and um, you know it's such it's such a gift and I'm very I'm just so thankful. Thank you and touching on life today how would you describe your life today and how um, life has changed since becoming sober? relationships etc and oh, I've got um, I've got a great I've got a very blessed life today um, I'm not grateful all of the time and that's just me being honest but um, I'm uh, I've been reflecting on this a little bit lately like I'm I'm a lot more I'm I'm present and I've got these most beautiful nieces and nephews. And um, I'm very close with one of my best friend's children. And, um, you know, I can see them grow today and I can see them develop and I can be there and I can spend really good quality time with them. And I know that if they do run into addiction issues, that they've got, an, at least they've got an auntie and alcoholics anonymous that they can come to. And, um, you know, I can have, I've got really beautiful relationships with my family that my parents today don't have to worry that their daughter is drinking. And we can, um, and, you know, I can go around and I can spend really lovely time with my mother and father and be of service to them. And... Um, I can go to work today, not hungover. Um, I can work to the best of my ability, but I can also hear feedback from them and try to alter my my behaviour at work. I can. Go, I've got peace, not all the time, but the majority of the time. And if I do have an issue in my life that I've got a solution, I've got a solution. And, um, you know, I've, I've, got, I've got really, um, I've got just quality of friendships and I've got my family back in my life and I've got, I can have goals today. You and, have some goals? Yeah, I do. I, I want to... I think that everyone wants to, mm. I've got, I think I've got achievable goals. Like, you know, I, I want to go and do well at work. I want to be um, a good employer, employee. Um, 
I, yeah, I've just, you know, I want to be spiritually fit today and, and have a, like, I've got a small life. I've got a, it's not big, it's, it's small. Um, and that's what I like to keep my sobriety small and safe. Um, you know, I've got a bit of, um, money in the bank. So if I want to go and have a coffee, I can. When I was drinking, I, I never had any money to do anything because it would always go on booze and you know my oldest my sponsor in Melbourne always used to say to me you know Alcoholics Anonymous will you'll develop into like a strong independent female and I think that that's what I keep growing into that's what Alcoholics Anonymous has allowed me to be today. Thank you. And and I is described as a spiritual program. What does spirituality mean for you and how would it differ maybe from religion? Hmm. It's taken me a while to um understand what um me and my spirituality grows. It, it grows within me. Um you know, I grew up um thinking God was really hard. And um, if I, you know, if I bug, if I messed up, then I would be punished. But what my spirituality today is that I've got a really loving God of my life, and it's taken me until uh, probably about six months ago to actually um, understand about emotional sobriety and um, what what. What action do I put in to ensure that I can have quietness in my mind? So I've just started actually doing focusing on step eleven and doing prayer and meditation and really handing my my will and my life over. So I've started actually doing um, I do meditation at night time now. And um, and that has helped me so much because it's calmed my mind and um, it's really allowed me to be connected in more with my, with my higher power. Thank you. And what would you suggest to any listeners who uh, think they may have a problem with drinking? Just go. Go to reach out. Go to AA if you don't want to share, talk with another alcoholic and understand that you're not alone. Um, there's a lot of alcoholics out there um, that have had um, the gift to get sober. And um, I would just say to someone that's struggling is to reach out, to talk, to ask for help. Cool. And are there any questions that you would ask someone to help them decide whether they need help? I think that you've, I think that that's something that you've got to work out yourself. I, I, I think that that's where um, going into the fellowship and identifying with alcoholics, other alcoholics, and sharing. That's where you you're the only one, and you're the only one that can really decide if you're an alcoholic or not. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Hey, look, Georgia, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. 
Thank you very much. For our listeners, if you've related to anything you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Fat Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on Plains FM website at plains.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, God grant, grant me the, the serenity, serenity to, to accept, accept the things, things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the, the wisdom to know the difference. You have been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9. 